this episode of the podcast is brought to you by inviting all your friends over for dinner, but only serving the, the foods that they are allergic to. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that doesn't have a musical score. I'm Frank. I'm Zach. Maybe we should get one. And we, yeah, we need, da, a, da, we, we need a theme, da, da, da. We need a theme song. Uh, and today we are talking about movies that have some of our favorite pieces of music in them, period. Mm. Uh, the score of a film is almost as important as the movie itself. Mm-hmm. If you have a bad score, it definitely throws off everything about the movie. Yeah. Uh, are there any bad scores that you can think of right off the bat? Because that's something that I didn't do any, like, I didn't even think about. But I'm trying to think, like, what is, like, some terrible, terrible... <laughs> like, I wonder it's, if there's... Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, I wonder if there's any really... Like, if the score was better, the movie would be way better. Like, definitely. oh, wow, this is a really cool movie, but the music is awful. <laughs> 100%. And, like, I don't... I cannot remember for the life of me. But we've done a few movies where it's, like, I've pointed out that the score does not fit the film. Yeah, you're right. And it's, like, had that been better, I would have liked it a lot more. But yeah. I don't... I don't I cannot remember off the top of my head. Right. Because I'm, I mainly did stuff that I do like. Right, of course. And there's so many things, right? Because a score can technically be anything. Mm-hmm. It can be a sound. It can be a soundtrack. Like, it can be an album. It can be literally just, like, noises. Right, yeah. Like, ambient kind of just weird noises. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it can be, like, a fully composed thing with an orchestra. Mm-hmm. It can just be a soundtrack where... They just got the rights to a bunch of a bunch of songs, and they just threw them in there because it fits the vibe. Yeah. Um, and there are just so many, and I get kind of I don't know. I get made fun of a little bit by my girlfriend because I I really like scores and mm-hmm. I love sent movie soundtracks. So I and I collect vinyl records. So I do feel like I know two of your picks. Maybe. Um, but I really like having them and listening mm-hmm. to them. Uh, if. In my opinion, like I, I will throw on a, mu- a musical score in my car and just drive around <laughs> to it. Like I, I'm not opposed to that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it's just a fucking great soundtrack or mm-hmm. really, really cool stuff. Um, so I don't know. I get made fun of a little bit because my girlfriend's like, "Why are you fucking listening to whatever?" I'm just like, "Shut up." That's why <laughs> I'm doing my thing. You don't get to talk. This is my car. I get to pick the music. Yeah, exactly. We're, um, we're listening to Sherlock Gnomes again. <laughs> <laughs> So that being said, Zach, why don't you start us off with your first pick for right. your favorite uh, score or soundtrack? So this is the only one that I have as a soundtrack for the film. Every other one that I have is a score. Um, but there was something about it, and I talked about it one other time, um, and I don't feel like we'll ever end up doing it, but like I, I thoroughly enjoyed, um, I think it was 2000, it was either 2021 or 2022, Cruella. Oh right, the Disney yeah. movie, yeah. Um, with uh, Emma Stone as Cruella, um, really good. Uh, what caught me immediately was the soundtrack. Now listen, like if we ever do this, the the biggest problem I have with the soundtrack is like there is no rhyme or reason for it. Like there's no reason for like these songs to be in it except for like one. Yeah. Um, and they definitely are like, it feels like it's every two minutes, like one of them's played. Yeah. But. It's fucking like bangers of songs. <laughs> like you have in here Florence and the Machine, who you just talked about. Shout out Florence. Um, they did a song called Call Me Cruella. You have the doors in here, you have Nina Simone, you have Led Zeppelin, you have Electric Light Orchestra, you have Queen, you have Blondie, you have the Clash. It's just like 
and Tina Turner in here too. Yeah. So it's like you have so many iconic songs and artists in this film that had like all the songs are kind of like this rock slash like punk rock style to the, all of them. Right. And it fit the film in that aspect of like this is a film taking place in like I assume mid eighties in England. So it's like it had a rhyme and reason for being in here. Right. And it was most of the time like off of these kind of like extravagant scenes of like, hey, we're doing like heist or like, hey, we're doing like this, like this very intense portion of it. Yeah. So it's like in that aspect, I was like, I'm into it. And the fact that like it was just song after song that I was like, whoa, wow, really? Because <laughs> fuck, man, Disney money, you can pay for stuff like that. Yeah. Of you course. can get two minutes of a Led Zeppelin song. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like the only one that was like an actual soundtrack that I was like, man, like this is actually really cool. Yeah, my first pick is also going to be a soundtrack, which is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Ooh, it's yeah. so good. You got a little Fleetwood Mac in there? <laughs> Everything. I mean, from the from the opening se- uh, opening shot, to which is, I think, Hooked on a Feeling, mm-hmm. is just, oh man, the fucking music in Guardians of the Galaxy is probably my favorite just to throw on to feel good, yeah. you know? Um, and it fits, of course, the Star Lord's kind of whole vibe, which is he's kind of just a silly dude. Like he's just having a good time. Man, hooked on a feeling is such yeah. a good scene with Ru- that. Rubber Band Man is oh, one of my favorite yeah. songs. Like period off of that thing. Um, there's just so many iconic tracks, and again, similar to what you were saying, because technically, I guess Disney owns it, right? Mm-hmm. So they got Disney money, which means they can pretty much get whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, except for the Beatles. Right, nobody can get the Beatles. <laughs> no, nobody can afford the Beatles for more than three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um. But man, there are just so many good tracks, and it and it really kind of highlights the feeling of the movie, which is kind of just this ridiculous, silly film that nobody was expecting, mm-hmm. and it came out of nowhere. Nobody knew, nobody fucking knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy were. I did. I knew who the Guardians were. Did you? Well, that's because I read the comics. Like, right, yeah. You're like the only person in the world who yeah, read the comics. <laughs> I liked the Guardians beforehand, but right, like, yeah, yeah like it, it is like a very, at that time, off-brand thing. Yeah. Like fucking, you get a Rocket Raccoon comic, it was like in the, the 99 cent bin for like years. Right. And then all of a sudden this movie came out and now it's skyrocketed to be like $200 for that single issue. Yeah, insane, it's right? weird. Um, but yeah, man, it's just iconic tracks, and it it, it just fits like the, the overall funness of the film a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, track number or excuse me, uh, uh, track number one. Track number one <laughs> is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. Okay, um, my next one is a movie that we just did, uh, Phantom Thread. Ooh, uh, Johnny, Johnny Greenwood. Greenwood, my boy. My God, such an elegant fucking score this man puts together. And I, I did find out that, like, he also worked on so many other soundtracks. Like, he did um, Power of the Dog. He did Licorice Pizza. He did There Will Be Blood, which is very iconic. Yeah, he works a lot with Paul Thomas. Him, yeah. just Paul Thomas Anderson and Radiohead in general, they're yeah. always, like, he's always helping them. They're that, doing music videos or whatever, so they must have a really good relationship. Yeah, that was, like, a thing I was looking up to where it's, like, a lot of, like, his stuff, like, in terms of, like, albums works with Radiohead. And I'm yeah. like, wow. Um, but even, too, like, The Master, You Were Never Really Here, um, Inherent Vice, We Need to Talk About Kevin. Like, the man knows what he's doing. And, yeah. like, Phantom Thread was, like, that film where it's, like, it's just so elegant and like so put together with like harps and like just piano that like it feels like 
you're classier than what you're actually doing. Yeah. Like, I walked away from that movie being like, hmm, time to go have some tea and crumpets <laughs> because I'm feeling fancy today. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a great fucking score, man. It really yeah. is. It's 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 a really beautiful um, piece of music. And yeah, Johnny Greenwood is one of my favorites. He Yeah, he did um, the score for There, there Will Be Blood. And yes. I own that. And it's it's a it's an intense score. He's really good at I don't like I don't know how exactly that works with like a composer if they if like the mute if the film is finished and then they show the composer the movie and then they just kind of put tracks together as like they're kind of watching it. I don't know or like, because like they have to go hand in hand with one another. Yeah, I do know like certain things of like like more theatrical stuff, like maybe in terms of like Johnny Greenwood, like he, he more than likely had like almost like an orchestra with him. Yeah. Um, and that to me is like kind of like the classic style of doing a score is like having an orchestra with you and then just kind of like watching a scene and like putting it together for that scene. Yeah. And then like director kind of like sitting up on top of like the theater and like watching it like both right. at the same time to yeah. like be like, oh, this is it. Right. But yeah, like different things like different things that aren't orchestra related. Like, I don't know how that kind of goes about. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe one day we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so my next one is technically, I guess it is another soundtrack, but it's a, it's a movie that's sort of kind of a musical, but not exactly, but it has a lot of music in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is, I don't know if you've ever actually seen 2018's A Star is Born directed by Bradley Cooper. Lady Gaga. That was, um, Oh yeah, 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 that one. Okay, I'm thinking of the one with like the girl that has like the terminal issue and then like starts dating. What movie is that? I thought it was A Star Is Born. Nope. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Anyway, the fucking music in A Star Is Born is really, really good. It's uh, I really kind of like hard rock, and it, it's kind of like a mash between hard rock and country, mm-hmm. um, but more like that western country. So mm-hmm. not like classic twangy. country yeah it's not like twangy or whatever like oh my darling yeah. it's not like that more kind of like bluesgrass yeah, yeah yeah exactly okay. it's way more bluesy um bradley cooper it's literally sung by bradley cooper and lady gaga well one of them is actually good at what they do and <laughs> and well bradley cooper's actually got a decent voice oh does um, he yeah yeah and he fucking i don't know if he's actually like playing the guitar mm-hmm. in 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 these tracks or if it's just like all being faked but Seems like he's playing the guitar, so he seems like a, a proper musician. It's like Les um, Mis, where it's like we learned that Russell Crowe can actually sing. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, he got so fat. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's yeah, I mean, he's plus Bradley Cooper's just so handsome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And He was kind of like the, the heartthrob of like the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, so Black Eyes is a really cool track. Um, I really, really like what's, like the main one, which is uh, Shallow, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I don't know. It's just it's like an actual proper album instead of like a just a track list or a score where it's actually like, hey, we are ha- we have songs. Like yeah. Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper it seemed like they sat down and actually like wrote an album together, mm-hmm. which is really kind of cool and unique and different. Um, so I don't know. It's just a really really cool uh, album. Nice. My next one I talk about a lot, uh, but. I guess he goes by Junkie XL sometimes, but it's um, Tom Holkenborg. Um, he who the did, fuck that is. He did the score for Mad Max Fury Road. Mm. And listen, I talk about Mad Max Fury Road a decent amount. Um, <laughs> it was a very big surprise to me when it won the amount of Oscars that it did because 
it's just a movie about driving to one place and then driving back. It is. Essentially. But I think the score for this film like fits so perfectly where it's like it's almost incorporating the characters to it. Like you have that weird guy that's like literally just playing the guitar as like a Valkyrie riding into battle yeah. type situation. And it's very heavy. It's very drum based. It's very guitar. It's very like hardcore metal rock and roll. And it fits so well with the film. Like there was never a point where it wasn't like your, your heart was pumping because it's just so adrenaline based. Yeah. And I think that's in those types of films where it's like, you know, you want a film that's like, literally just like a car chase or like an action film like you need that type of sound to keep you going where it's like even in like a situation of it's kind of like dead and dreary like keep it going because it still gets you like ready for anything that's about to happen yeah and like when you have those scenes where um it's like max and furiosa trying to like get the big rig back operational where it's like the oil i think like uh stops working on it and they have to try and get the car going again and then you can hear off in the distance and it just keeps getting like louder and louder of like them coming closer yeah it's stuff like that where it's like that works like that's what makes it the movie that it is yeah and that's why it won so many oscars for no reason (laughs) (laughs) Um, i think that i think score won for that film too like I, i know that it won i always forget i think it won like best picture um in some aspect, but it definitely won like best score. I think that year for yeah, the Oscars, maybe. Yeah. Um, okay. So my next pick is probably the one, I don't know, at least one of the ones that you thought assumed that it was going to be on my list, mm-hmm. but it is true. Um, I want to talk about uh, the score from Daniel Hart from the green Knight. Yeah. I figured that one was yeah, on there. This one is awesome. Duh. Uh, it's very cool because it's, it really, you know, it feels like it's part of the the, the time period. Mm-hmm. It's very there's like a lot of bells and and like woodwinds and um and it feels like an adventure, but also it kind of has this looming heaviness kind of about it where it's it's definitely the type of score that you kind of just sit down and listen to while drinking like a whiskey, like you know, like it really is. like you're just contemplating life. Yeah, with it. Uh, there's some really really cool musical moments in it, um, and of course it's one of those things that it really does elevate the film. Like the, now that we're getting into the, in my, well on my list and the rest of yours as well, where it's simply a, an actual proper score. Mm-hmm. These are the ones where you can, there's a difference between a soundtrack and a score. Yeah. The, the amount of time and care that is put into a score is a little bit different. At least it feels different than, somebody who puts together a compilation of tracks. Yeah. Like to me, when I think of the green Knight and I think of the score for the film, I almost think that like he went in and watched the film silent. Right. And then thought in his head, like this is the sound that I need for this spot. This is the sound that I need for this spot. Yeah. Because it fits so perfectly. Mm -hmm. I mean, the moments where he's out on the adventure doing his thing, it feels like an adventurous moment right there is like those those really cool kind of just like he's out and about doing his thing then of course like when the green knight shows up yes like that score is incredible it's very drum based very heavy even like before that when you have sir gowan like just kind of like roaming the streets after being drunk and it's very flute-esque it's very like light-hearted type situation yeah it's just it's it's a pretty much a perfect freaking score Mm -hmm. and uh it's one that i can put on while i'm just kind of doing some work and just 
it's just awesome. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, I feel like a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, until you put on um, the Northman one. The Northman one is insane, too. Yeah, yeah that, that one's intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's got a lot of testosterone that's, going. That's definitely, like, the workout album right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go lift a tree. Yeah. Uh, my next one may actually surprise you. Um, Justin Hurwitz. Yes, I know the name. La La Land. What? Yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> I you I was, really like the music, man. It's so jazzy. And again, like I think that's like the thing is like I like the chaotic jazz. Um, no, you don't. You like the smooth jazz. I oh, like. Yeah. The, you don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> well, I, I, I like the chaotic jazz. This movie kind of like argue came, about. Oh this. yeah. Well, what this do you movie, mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this movie kind of came around for me for chaotic jazz. <laughs> he also did Whiplash, which he again, did Whiplash. like fucking great scores for both. Um, I don't know, man. Like it, like if nothing else, like La La Land was kind of like that movie where it's like it's okay, but the score was what really got me. Like that very jazz aspect to it. Like it really brought you into like this 1950s vibe of like jazz mm-hmm. and telling the story through jazz. Um, I think you I think you'd like La La Land more than you care to admit. I don't know. I think I got to watch it again. And I think you'll like it a lot more. <laughs> I think you're going to be like, you know I'm what? St- I actually like this movie. Okay, but I won't admit that I like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody can admit that. No, <laughs> he's still like just way too like robotic, except for Blade Runner. That makes sense. Yeah, right. That one That one makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's got a little bit of personality in, in uh, La La Land. Maybe he has a little bit of personality he's a, in Barbie. He's, he's got a lot of personality in um in The Nice Guys. Oh, yeah, 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 I know about that. Yeah. With uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah. I still want to watch that. That's I haven't good, gotten around to it. Um, maybe he'll be personality-wise in Barbie, because like, he's playing he's Ken. playing Ken, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he like bleach-blonde his hair. Yep. Who knows? Maybe. I haven't seen The Gray Man. That just came out. Yeah, I don't really care. It's got Captain America in it. Yeah, Chris Evans. Yeah. And uh, somebody else. It does have somebody else in it. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> Ava something, I think. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so my next pick, this might be the other one that you, that you assumed is on my list. Why don't you, why don't you say who you, what you you think my next pick was? I think you picked the score for, um, uh, Sound of Metal. No. Really? Right. Absolutely Mm. not. Wow. I really thought that you would pick that. It was in my honorable mentions. Mm, Um, that and Portrait of a Lady on Fire are my two honorable mentions. Um, but this one is... The score by, in my opinion, maybe the greatest film composer period, or maybe just greatest composer period, um, who is Ennio Morricone for The Hateful Eight. Yeah, that was my honorable mention just because of the opening scene and like that drum (laughs) it's so good it's uh it's an it's an album that again i have i have on vinyl and it's a it's an album that i put on often Mm -hmm. it is a soundtrack that again fits so well with the movie i mean it's it's dreary it's eerie it's it 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 feels cold but but, and then it also simultaneously feels warm. Mm-hmm. There's like this. He's incredible. He's really just one of the greatest to ever do it. And it's a very suspenseful score, of course. And it and it, and it fits the movie. And I guess originally it was actually supposed to be the score for um, John Carpenter's The Thing, and then mm. it never got used for some reason. I remember hearing about yeah, that. Yeah, and we talked then about that. Tarantino somehow got 
like he was kind of like, oh, I have this that I haven't used. You want to like try this one out? I think we talked about that in the Hateful Eight episode yeah. too, because that was kind of like a little bit of the premise of the story, where it's like not knowing who the right, killer yeah, is. Yeah, it, it felt yeah, like he he based the Hateful Eight sorta on the idea of the thing, and you don't know who to trust or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it, then of course he ironically was able to get the score from the yeah. thing, which is really cool. <laughs> um, it's just really cool, man. I love the album. It's just it's a really really cool um western but not it doesn't feel as western as my next pick mm-hmm. but uh it it's just a really really incredible piece of music that i think is just going i mean the overture is incredible if you were if you were lucky enough to actually see the hatefully in theaters for the roadshow edition where it was premiered in 70 millimeter i mean sitting down and getting an overture before the film and, and it and it just being like an incredible piece of music and then that's kind of your send off to the fucking start of the, the the beginning of the film it's just it's incredible yeah definitely a good pick yeah. um that's why it made it to my honorable mentions i just like i don't know i i just i did not for some reason want to put tarantino in this pick like in this uh in this episode you like I refuse. I was just like, I, we know it's gonna be great. Like <laughs> we know he always picks good scores or good soundtracks. Like yeah. that's just his thing. Yeah. Um, my last pick, probably the best one out of all of the ones that I have. Um, and that's just for the sheer amount of like work this man has done. But John Williams, um, has done pretty much every soundtrack for like like most beloved films of all time um specific specifically for me it's the jurassic park one yeah but my god man he's done indiana jones he's done the star wars theme song um what's the star wars theme song is that i actually couldn't even tell you what the music for star wars is uh I cannot think of it often. <laughs> Something like I have like a piece of it, but I can't get to the starting point. You ever have that where it's like yeah, a yeah, song, yeah. but you don't remember how it starts. Yeah. So you don't remember the full thing. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Star Wars. I don't know. But, I, if I hum it, I'm sure I'll get sued anyway. So right, yeah. I guess it won't work out. Uh, Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Yeah. Jaws. The Dadum. Dadum. Yeah. The Harry Potter. Like that score yeah that very like whimsical kind of yeah. like a wizard yeah um et i've never actually seen et really yeah it's okay it's not it's not everything that people crack it up to be uh. um close encounters of the third kind I- i've seen that the good superman movie with uh gene hackman as lex luther what yeah never seen that uh home alone wow saving private ryan yeah catch me if you can Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> <laughs> All right, when I hear yeah. you mentioning other movies, so let's talk no. about your first pick. So, so yes, like, <laughs> we we kind of talked about this like off camera or whatever too. Um, like I was talking about Jurassic Park, and it's like one of the most beloved things about it is the score for the film. Like, there's yeah. just something about like that. Da, 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 da. Like it just it creates it just makes you smile. Yeah, it it just creates this like picture in my head of dinosaurs and like the idea that was like brought up about it of like bringing them back and like having this very kind of like scary yet beautiful situation of like the creatures that could take over the world again. Yeah. And it it's, it's just one of those ones that like brings me 
such a good memory of like sitting in the theaters and watching like a giant t-rex just roar as a banner comes down of welcome to jurassic park (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but man the guy has done fucking above and beyond for films yeah um so my next pick is also another Ennio morricone sound composed uh thing but it is in my opinion my i think i think it's the the most iconic Mm -hmm. piece of uh music ever essentially and it's a i don't think that if you've never seen the film i don't think you realize that this movie is the movie that essentially everything that you think of in a western has pretty much started in this film Mm. um and that is the good the bad and the ugly yeah uh it is in my opinion the greatest score ever Mm. i love it I mean, it is, it's that, you know, I'm a terrible whistler, so I apologize. But if you, when you think of a Western or Mm. if you're ever just like be like being stupid, like stupid with your friends. Yeah. That iconic, just like that is Mm -hmm. the most iconic Western sound in all of fucking movies. Mm -hmm. And he did it. He's the one who made it. And the, the the cracking of the whips, yep. like the, you know, like everything about it, like everything's so dramatic for it. It's even incredible. Like, even like pulling the guns out of the holster, like yeah. that sound effect for it. Yeah, it's just such an incredible piece of music. My favorite is the title track, which is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but then, I mean, you get to like the sundown, which is really, really cool. There's really, there's like really cool moments of like chanting where it's like run. run and it's just like these guys like chanting Mm -hmm. and then i mean and and it just builds in such a beautiful cinematic way my other favorite one is called the carriage of the spirits which is like this it starts off kind of very somber and then builds into this gigantic incredible piece of, of of music and um it is in my opinion one of the best scores to ever ever be made and probably to one of the greatest westerns if not the greatest western to ever be put to film probably um, yes it's if you've never seen the good of the bad the ugly it's a little off-putting because it's a spaghetti western yeah. and the entire film is 80 yard which means that it was italian and then reconverted into no so it was English. they 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 filmed it they just they didn't have the you know i guess the capabilities of filming sound and oh, picture right, right, together right, yeah. so then they have to go back and redo the entire thing so it's it's a little weird, but if you get all if you if you can put that aside and just appreciate it for what it is, I mean, there isn't like an eight minute stare down, like, and it's just all of these crazy close ups of eyeballs moving and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It is just, it's the greatest western ever. It really is, and mm-hmm. it's got the greatest soundtrack ever, um, or excuse me, the greatest composed score ever. Um, and he's just the best. And I'm pretty sure a few years ago he passed away. So. Uh, that's sad. Yeah. But uh it's it's an incredible, incredible piece of music that even if you haven't seen the uh the movie, I like it's one of those rarities where you can put on the soundtrack and you can just imagine how incredible the film is. Like mm-hmm. you you just know that this piece of music is accompanied by an incredible in- incredible film. Yeah. Um so yeah. Had to be had to be the good, the bad, and the ugly for my for my final pick. You got any honorable mentions? Um, I pretty much mentioned, mentioned them. I said, um, "Portrait of a Lady on Fire" mm-hmm. is is just 
it takes the it takes classical, but it's kind of like that intense classical, kind of like where I say that I I really enjoy chaotic jazz. There's mm-hmm. kind of like this subgenre of classical where it's this really intense um, moments of of classical music where it's all just like really fast paced, moving violins and things like that. Portrait of a Lady on Fire has an incredible score. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that movie. It's it's beautiful. It's a great it's a great film. Uh, and um, and then I was gonna mention, I, I was a little hesitant on mentioning it, but uh, there's a really really uh cool fucking score from uh Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> you do a, love Willy Wonka. It's an incredible. I love the music in Willy Wonka. Frank, the people want to know when are we gonna do Willy Wonka? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about it a lot. We should do it. Um. And uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory has, you know, the iconic Oompa Loompa songs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites is uh, the incredible... The Fever Dream Through the Tunnel. Well, that, of course. But um, when, when they actually open up the Chocolate Factory mm-hmm. and Gene Wilder starts singing the... In your imagination. Yep. It, it's just me. Yeah, it's just... It's a beautiful... Uh, I love it. It's great. Um, so... I don't know what I want to recommend because yeah. I, I have two things that I want to recommend <laughs> okay. and I really want to recommend them both. So I think you're going to get a twofer. Okay. Um, so I just recently started watching something called Love, Death, and Robots. Oh, finally. You know about this? We've talked about this. I, I don't remember. I literally this. have seen everything that they put out. I love it. I think the concept is great. I don't understand how they get the fucking money for some of the animation because it looks better than most films that's come out. I, it's, it's probably just because like they're short. Yeah. They're, they're So they can put a lot more money into it because it's it's like 30 minutes or whatever. And we talked about this because it's like I fucking love the fact that you can give me a complete story in five minutes yeah. and I understand everything. Yeah. And I want more, but I don't need more. So I saw... Season one, episode two, which is so far my favorite one, which is the giant crab that goes onto like the pirate ship. You're on and, season three. Oh, is that season three? Yeah, you're doing. Oh, so season- I, I must have started it. Yeah, you started okay. it like um because there is like the first episode with the robots. Like there, that's the first episode ever made. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really like the so crab. So that one. one, super good. Was the animation in that is. Some of the most beautiful. beautiful animation I've ever seen, and it's horrific. Yes, and it is a very good story. There is like one that tops it in the horror category mm, for these films. Like yeah. maybe I think it's like five or six. Okay, yeah. Well, I am I I want to watch it again because yeah. it's just so good. So I'll, I'll let you know too. Season three, there's one that I wasn't like fully on board with, but still was great. So yeah. like everything on there was great. Season two, not a big fan. Like maybe one or two I really liked. Mm. Um, season one, every single one is a banger. Yeah, yeah. So like they they know what they're doing. Yeah, and I can't wait for season four. <laughs> uh, so that one, I want to just recommend that specific episode. Whatever mm. one is like the pirate one. I guess mm. it's season three, episode two. Uh, that is awesome. Yeah. Like fucking incredible. Uh, and then I also wanted to recommend, so do you know who Nathan Fielder is? Mm-hmm. So Nathan Fielder, in my opinion, is one of the funniest comedians uh, working. And he just dropped a, a new a new show. So he he, he has a show called, um, what is it called? Uh, Nathan For You. Yeah, Nathan For You, where yes. he's basically like trying to, he's like on a never ending journey of helping small businesses, but it's yeah. always the most ridiculous things. I love that show. Um, I, I like, there's one where it's like um, the, the plasma TVs that 
they're yeah. trying to sell. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it's yeah. like you have to get one dollar. <laughs> yes, for one dollar, but you have to get through like a five small tiny door. doors. Yeah, and, and then, then an, alligator. an alligator inside. <laughs> but he has another show mm. on HBO called The Rehearsal, mm. and The Rehearsal is, in my opinion, a fucking masterpiece of a show. He based the concept is basically he's helping these people in these really kind of important moments in their life in their in their lives do a giant rehearsal for what they are about to do. So like the first episode is this guy who is um, trying to tell his friends that he actually has been lying to them their entire friendship that he he doesn't actually have um, like a master's degree. Um, he, he basically only has a bachelor's degree and mm. they all think that he has a master's degree and they keep sending him like job things like, Hey, you know, this requires a master's degree. You, you, we would think that you'd be a great fit for that. And he never applies to the jobs because he doesn't actually have a master's degree. So he's been thinking of like ways to do this. So Nathan comes up with this whole scheme of, we are going to practice every possible outcome of how this is actually going to happen with uh, with actors and we are going to do a an exact replicate um replication of where you're going to do it so he decides that he's going to do it at this bar <laughs> so they build this entire bar inside this warehouse and i mean the detail is insane like there's one chair that has a very specific rip on it they have that rip on that chair <laughs> and there's a there's a balloon that when they went in there and took photos of mm-hmm. there was a balloon that was like up in the upper left hand corner that just kind of is like the helium is like running out of it but it's kind of just in the corner of the thing they even put that balloon in there and they have this guy sitting down with an actor who is playing the pe- like the person that he's trying to admit like mm-hmm. what he's going to do with um or you know what he's trying to say to them and they are just going through every possible outcome of what could happen. So what are you going to do here? What are you going to do if she says this? What are you going to do? And he's and Nathan's got a fucking computer, and he's like, he's got like it's a basically like a choose your own adventure where it's like <laughs> if, if she says this, you're going to say this. Mm-hmm. If you know if this happens, then you're going to do this. It is insane. The man is crazy. He is he is insane. He, he has that type of humor that I like though for a comedian of like very like dry sarcastic. Oh my god, humor. yeah. He's such a weird guy. Yeah, he is. But uh, <laughs> but and like you don't know if he's playing a character or if he, this is really who he is. But either way, mm-hmm. uh, the show is incredible. If you have HBO Max, I would. It's it, it's one of those things, unfortunately, which is normal, but it's kind of it sucks for us because we're so used to having everything right now. But it's like every week one new, one new episode drops, so it's every Friday, I guess, another episode drops. Mm-hmm. So you do have to wait. But the first three episodes are out now. And uh, they're insane. Hmm. And uh, do the people the people that get involved in this are like so weird. I know John Benjamin was involved with a couple of his things prior, like with Nathan for you. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, right. Um, so I recommend the rehearsal and Love, Death, and Robots. Very nice. So that's where we're at, Zach. Oh, it's my choice. Yeah, what do you do? Uh, want to do? We you actually ironically mentioned it. Um, we're gonna do the Power of the Dog. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's a really cool movie. You know, man, we'll get into it. I tried watching this movie on two separate occasions and like, I, I understood why it was like Oscar bait. Everybody fucking loves it. I just, I, I think I it's couldn't. incredible. Oh fuck. It's like three hours long. It's very long. Oh, <laughs> oh and Kirsten Dunst is in it. <laughs> and I hate her. And Meth Damon. Um, oh, so, yeah. uh, we'll look forward to that. So I uh, now I, I can't wait for this conversation. Zach, <laughs> take us out. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank, roll the credits.